Praise the Lord. So good to see everyone here today. Poor Brother DeMuth is all by himself on that side. Amen. <laughs> Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ is here this morning. Amen. And because He's here, anything can happen. Because He's here, all things are possible. Amen. Let's all stand. We have an opportunity this morning to receive of Him. Whatever it is that we have need of. Anything that we have need of, we can receive it here today from Jesus. Amen. Let's call out on Him. Let's seek His face. Let's believe Him. Let's trust in Him. Put our hope and our confidence in the Lord our God today. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. We give glory and honor unto the Most High God. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Our confidence and our trust in You is not in vain. He is no fool who puts his hope in You. Hallelujah, Jesus. Our hope and our faith and our trust and our confidence is entirely and utterly in the Lord our God today. Completely in You. We will not trust in the strength of flesh or in the strength of our own arm or in the strength of men. But we will call upon the name of the Lord our God in this house today. Hallelujah, Jesus. We believe You for great things. We believe You for mighty and miraculous things. Hallelujah, Jesus. Whatever our needs are today, Lord Jesus, that You would meet them wondrously. That You would meet them miraculously, supernaturally in this place today. Lord, that all of Your heart, all of Your mind would be manifest as we continue to hope in You. Thank You, Jesus, for this opportunity You've given us today. We give You the glory. We give You the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You can be seated. Amen. Our teen and young adults can be dismissed at this time. Amen. It has been uh, petitioned of me that I don't say anything about the corn maze yesterday. My wife came into the throne room and I extended to her the scepter and... <laughs> What is your request, honey? <laughs> Not exactly. Uh, but I do want to thank everyone that did show up. Uh, we had a great time. I'll leave the rest to my wife. Amen. Uh, by way of review, last week we, we talked about the parable of the sower. We learned uh, during that lesson that as a sower, one thing we're going to need is seed. Uh, we definitely need some seed. Uh, we need the right seed. We need good seed. The farmer's intending on planting corn, and I, I show up with acorns. Uh, that's not going to do a whole lot. He intends on planting corn, and I show up with moldy corn seeds. Uh, that's not going to do any good either. Uh, so I need the right seed, and I need good seed. Obviously, the Word of the Lord is the right seed, and it is always good. Amen. We are responsible to cast, period. Cast far, cast wide, cast liberally. That's our responsibility. We are not to prejudge people. We are not to uh, inspect the ground. Ah, oh, this isn't so good. That, that may not work. Uh, just throw it out there. That's our responsibility. 
And we also learned what we're not responsible for. The amount of sun the seed gets. That's outside of our purview. I can't control that. The amount of rain the seed gets. Now, I can bring a watering can out, I suppose, and water it, but, but the rainfall is not, that's not in my purview. I don't control the, the rainfall. Condition of the soil. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, the condition of our hearts. Uh, but I can't control the condition of your heart. The things I can do, I will do. I'll pray, I'll fast, I'll, I'll continue to cast seed, I'll love you. Uh, but ultimately, the condition of your heart is your responsibility. And it's also my responsibility, the condition of my heart. Whether or not the seed sprouts, what, what the seed is going to do after it's sown, I don't control that. All of that is in God's hands. But none of that will matter if I don't cast the seed. The seed doesn't go out. It stays in the barn. Nothing's going to happen. We are responsible for the condition of our hearts. Jeremiah 4.3 says, Thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. In other words, it's my responsibility to make sure my heart is properly prepared. That there are no thorns and thistles growing up in my heart. That my heart is receptive to the word of truth. That my heart is ready to receive it and to obey it. Amen. It should be our ongoing mission as a Christian to hear and faithfully obey the word of God every day. Amen. In our daily devotions, it started with a general exhortation when approaching God's word to do so humbly and to do so consistently. If we do those things, we're going to have a greater opportunity to receive insight, understanding, and revelation from God's Word. Amen. Some of the revelations people receive are not revelations from God. We want to receive revelation from God. Amen. Day one, Jesus stepped onto Peter's boat once uh, when the sea was calm and the boat was sturdy to teach Peter to trust in Him. Later on, Jesus also brought Peter out of the boat onto the stormy sea so that Jesus could teach him in the middle of the storm to trust in Him. And Jesus will do the same for us. In both instances, in the calm and in the storm, Jesus wants us to trust in Him. Because He is faithful, He is true. And we have got to keep our eyes on Him. We saw in the instance of Peter, when we take our eyes off of Jesus... Put it on anyone or anything else. It's disastrous for us, folks. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep focused on Him. And things always work out. We always have victory in Jesus Christ. Day two, although we cannot prejudge people and withhold seed from them because we believe their hearts to be unreceptive, rather we should pray that those people uh, we've sown God's Word into would have a receptive and obedient heart. Amen. We don't withhold seed from certain people because uh, they're not interested anyway. <clears throat> That's actually what, what happened to me before I came into church. Uh, the guy that... I heard someone talking to someone else in the motor pool about God. And I overheard it. And I was interested. And uh, so he never came, but I came. Later on he told me, uh, I was never going to talk to you. You looked like you had it all together. 
I'm like, I, I just chuckled, but I thought to myself, it was so far from that. It was so completely the opposite. I was looking for this. So we can't prejudge people. We can't look at someone, ah, they wouldn't be interested. They, they may very well be the ones that are most interested. Amen. Cast the seed. Day three. God doesn't always serve truth to us on a silver platter, does He? Every once in a while, we've got to go looking for it. We've got to dig a little bit. We've got to work for it. And I think that's a good thing. I like that. This involves study, research, and prayer to discover what God has intended for us to receive. Proverbs 25 and 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Amen. Day 4. Again, the greatest blessings and the greatest revelations are found in pressing, seeking, being hungry for more. Amen. If you're just kind of sitting there on your laurels and when it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, that's fine too. Uh, that's probably not the best place to receive uh, revelation and blessing from God. When I'm out looking for it, when I'm actively seeking for it, that's when I'm going to find it. Seek and ye shall find. Not find and ye shall seek. Day five, growth both in you and in others takes time. Now in general, like in a lot of things, we're more patient with our own personal growth than we are in someone else's. Uh, but we need to be patient with other people as well uh, because they're going to take time just like we took time. Amen. And we've got to realize also there's a lot going on underneath the soil with that seed when it's first planted that you'll never see. You don't see anything until it pops up out of the dirt. But there's a whole lot going on. If I went through all the... Bo- uh, I didn't look at it. I've seen it, uh, it uh, in other studies. But if you, if you know all of the biochemical processes that are going on in that seed prior to it coming up out of the dirt, it's amazing. It really is a miracle. It, it, is, it is a complex... Hyper-complex process. Uh, there's a lot going on there that we don't see. Just let God do His work. Let God make that seed sprout. Amen. Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall weep, reap, if we faint not. Amen. So be patient. Be patient with people as well as yourself. Let them grow. Our lesson for today, our Scripture text is going to be found in Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 1. And today we're going to be discussing the parable of the lost sheep. The parable of the lost sheep. The Bible rightly compares us to sheep. And we certainly are sheep in so many ways. Uh, That is, I think, an apt analogy. Luke chapter 15, beginning with verse 1, says this, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, 
doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Amen. It wasn't cold or raining. It was a beautiful Saturday morning, the day little Mandy Dutton went missing. Several people came together to look for her in the woods behind the Dutton house. Daniel Dutton was frantic. His daughter had been playing chase, hide-and-seek, and other games with her imaginary friends as he chopped wood that morning. Around lunchtime, he gathered up his tools and looked around for Mandy, but she was gone. He searched diligently with no success. Finally, he ran into the house to call for help to find his little girl. The whole neighborhood showed up, calling her name, whistling and thrashing through the underbrush. It seemed the search was endless. Daniel was paralyzed with fear. Where could she be? The worst that could happen began tantalizing his mind, and his hopes were fading away with each hour. He couldn't imagine going on with life without hearing her giggle or feeling her cradled in his arms. He fell to the earth and raised his arms toward the heavens. God, only you know where she is. Please keep her safe until we find her. Help her to feel your sheltering arms around her until she's safely in mine. Finally, someone shouted, Over here! Daniel scrambled to his feet and ran like the wind in the direction of the, in the shout. He ran with all his might until he came to a small clearing. What he saw was amazing. There in the middle of the small patch of grass was little Mandy, cradled next to a resting lamb, separated from his mother. The lamb would raise his head and bleat, and then reach down and nuzzle the crying little girl nestled safely against the warmth of his body. The lamb seemed to know the little girl's situation was much more urgent than him finding his mother. Daniel scooped up the lamb and his daughter in one big hug. With tears in his eyes, Daniel whispered, Don't worry, little lamb. We'll find your mother. For now, I'm thanking God for sending you to my little girl. Amen. So, the parable of the lost sheep. Jesus knew who he was addressing this day when he spoke the parable. He knew who was in the crowd. All right? Uh, when he asked this particular question, What man of you having an hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness? Go after that which is lost until he find it. Jesus knew that the people he was speaking with would be fully aware, cognizant of the, the question he was posing. You and I, we understand it because we've heard it a lot. We've never been shepherds. I don't think any one of us have. Uh, we've never spent hours... In the hot sun, nights in the cold and freezing, uh, protecting sheep, making sure they're fed, fed right, stay away from the bad stuff. We've, we've never done that in, in the literal sense. But these people, if they haven't themselves, they knew people who did. It was part of their culture. They understood it. That proved to be the perfect object lesson for this crowd of people of the good shepherd's love for his sheep. Amen. And that's what parables are. It's taking us from the known to the unknown. The shepherd's love. The good shepherd is willing to leave his 99 treasured sheep with neighboring helpers to go into the rugged dangers of the darkness to find the one lost sheep. And when he does find it, he gently lifts that 
sheep onto his shoulders and carries it home. Amen. Now, getting back to Jesus' audience, in this particular crowd, there were all kinds of people. All kinds of temperaments, all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of personalities. There were unbelievers in this crowd. There were sinners in this crowd. His disciples were here. There were publicans and Pharisees in the crowd, looking to trip him up at every opportunity. In our services, when we get together any given Wednesday or Sunday, there are all kinds of people present here, present online. All kinds of different situations going on. All kinds of personalities. All kinds of uh, stages in our walk with God. Some can be just starting out. Some could have lived this their whole life. So how in one hour is someone supposed to touch every single one of those situations? Every single one of those those personalities. How does that even work? I have no idea, but I know it does. I know it does. I've had people come up to me, uh, and I've, I've been in the congregation hearing other preachers. He knows exactly what I'm going through. He is speaking exactly, directly to my situation. I've had people say that to me, and to speak freely, I didn't even remember saying that. That's, that sounds like a really good point. That sounds really good. But I don't remember saying that. Uh, so God can use people. God can use the, the, the message. God can use the service to speak directly to our needs. Amen. It's... It's a supernatural thing. It's a miraculous thing, what God does. But He does it. It's an awesome thing. God knows exactly who's going to be in our services. God is able to tailor a message so that it speaks to many different people in many different walks of life. Amen. Did you ever feel like that? That you... Why is, he, why is he reading my mail in front of the whole congregation? Some people don't respond well to that. <laughs> and you're like, I had no idea. I didn't. I promise you. And if that ever happens to you and I'm speaking, I, I, I will promise you that if I do know of a situation, it will never come over this pulpit. Absolutely not. If I need to speak to someone, it's going to be one-on-one. Okay, I'm not going to air anybody's laundry over the pulpit. God might. God might do that. He is, he's free to do that. He's free to air my laundry over the pulpit. But I'm not going to. I'll, I'll come to you one-on-one. Okay? Amen. You're welcome. <laughs> no matter who the person was, no matter what they've done, no matter the condition of their heart, Jesus never turned them away. Amen. The people in the crowd, He spoke to them. He tried to minister to them. The shepherd loves every sheep. He loves us unconditionally. And that is, that is something we strive for. That is something that we, uh, we, we seek to attain unto in our own lives. To love people unconditionally. 
But we struggle sometimes. We struggle uh, to love the person that continually stabs us in the back, continually lets us down, continually talks bad about us. How do I love that person? God loves that person. Therefore, I must love that person. When it comes to God's love for me, I don't have to do certain things to get God to love me. I don't have to be a certain kind of person to get God to love me. There is nothing I can do to get Him to love me anymore. There's nothing I can do to get Him to love me any less. His love for me is not predicated on anything in me. It's given freely, unconditionally. Praise God. Now that doesn't mean that, well, praise God, I can just live however I want. He loves us too much to leave us there. He wants us to become Christ-like. Amen. But, starting out, starting out in this journey, we need to know, we need to understand that His love for us is unconditional. When I approach God for the first time, I come in as a rank sinner. When I did come in as a rank sinner, He loved me. Even though I, I cursed His name, I spoke bad about Him, I disregarded His commandments, He loved me. And not just, yes, I love you, because I have to. No, it wasn't like that at all. He truly loved me. He died for me. His love for us is predicated on Him and on Him alone. And when we wander away from the Good Shepherd, He comes looking for us. Why? Because He loves us. He notices when we're gone. He notices when we've wandered away. We may not. We may not understand that we're wandering away. The sheep don't. The sheep wander away for all kinds of reasons. Maybe they're following a, a, a patch of really green grass and it, they just keep eating that and it, it leads them away from the flock. Maybe they heard a noise and they're spooked and they run. There's all kinds of reasons a sheep can be separated from the flock. And if the shepherd isn't careful, that sheep can get a long ways away before he even knows that they're gone. But the Good Shepherd, He understands all that. He knows when we're wandering away. He knows the dangers that are lurking out there away from the flock that He tends. Well, why does He want, why does he want to keep me in here? Why does He want to keep me in all of these rules and regulations? Why does He want to keep me in all of these uh, this legalism? Why can't I go out there and enjoy life? Ever hear that? Once or twice? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it's dangerous out there. People die out there spiritually. God wants to keep us safe and protected from, from the wolves and, and from the, the unsafe plants. The shepherd knows what's good to eat. That's what he feeds us. We don't need anything else.
Matthew 9, 35 and 36 says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep. Having no shepherd. Folks, I want a shepherd. I want someone watching out for me, protecting me. Because I don't know. I don't know the condition of my heart all the time. It deceives me. I don't know when I'm eating something bad all the time. I don't know all the time when I'm wandering away because I'm distracted or, or because I'm tired or frustrated or whatever it may be. And I lose sight of what's important. I get my eyes off of God and onto something else. And I've already started to wander away from the flock. It's so easy. But God knows that. And He's watching out for us. And He wants to protect us and keep us safe and, and within the flock. Because He knows the dangers outside of it. Amen. Psalm 23. Maybe you've read this before. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the good shepherd, folks. That's his desire for the sheep. Amen. That we be safe and protected and blessed and we prosper in the midst of the flock. When we do wander and we do stray, He comes looking. He comes seeking. He'll do whatever it takes to find us. And when He finds us, how does He respond? You stupid moron. What an idiot. I told you this last week. He doesn't do any of that. He gently, tenderly puts us on his shoulders and brings us back. Amen. Now, there may be some correction involved. That's what the rod is for. He may have to break our leg. Keep us, keep us close. But... Uh, but even in that, it's because He loves us and wants us protected. And He knows what's best for the flock. He knows what's best for His sheep. Praise God. I'm so thankful for a good shepherd like Jesus. First John 1, 8 and 9 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. He is quick to forgive, folks. When we come to Him with honesty and humility and we confess our sins to Him and we repent of them, He forgives us. 
He doesn't hold it over our heads. He doesn't withhold forgiveness for a time so we learn our lesson. Like we do. If I forgive them all the time, they're not going to learn their lesson. He forgives. Completely. Deuteronomy 7, 6-9 says, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto Himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set His love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because He would keep the oath which He had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love Him, and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Amen. Psalm 86.15 says, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Psalm 145.8 and 9 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. I'm beginning to see a picture develop here. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. Micah 7, 18 and 19 says, Who is a God like unto Thee, that pardoneth iniquity, and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of His heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. I love that phrase. Subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. People give up on God all the time, folks. But he never, ever gives up on us. Praise God. When we wander, he comes a-looking. So don't be mad. Don't be upset and frustrated that He won't leave you alone. Amen. Thank God for that. Thank God for a God that loves us enough to keep knocking. Romans 8, 35-39 says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Only you can separate. Only you have the power to do that. Nothing else can. Nothing else can separate you from God's love except you. That's an awesome promise, folks. God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. I don't care what you've done. Now, don't try that. Don't go do something stupid just to see. Take my word for it. Just take my word for it. It won't work. He'll still love you. 
God is not a man that He should respond to our fickle affections and petty temper tantrums like we would. He's not a man like you and I. His love isn't conditional. It's not situational. I'll love you if you love me. I'll do for you if you do for me. He doesn't do that. He does for us first. Many times, He never gets back. But He does it anyway. Because He loves us. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. It beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. This is an exhortation to us to love like that, but this is who God is. This is how God loves naturally. God is love. This is who He is, folks. This is how He responds to each and every person that has ever lived. Just like this. Some sheep are lost. We know that. But although a sheep may wander away from the flock, they're still sheep. They still belong to the fold from where they were lost. And they still belong to the Good Shepherd who seeks to find them. Amen. Sheep wander away for many different reasons. We, we spoke about that. People leave church. People walk away from God for many different reasons. We can look at the reason and say it's not a very good reason. I don't think there is any good reason to walk away from God. I've not seen one anyway. But individuals think it's a good enough reason. In any case, they're still part of this family. I see him as, uh, as a part of this family. They belong here. We've been praying for the backsliders. We will never stop praying for them. We'll never stop seeking for them to return to the safety of the fold, to return home. Amen. Because Jesus will never stop seeking. He will never stop loving them. As grieved as we are to see it happen, God is so much the more. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. Whatever the reason people stray from God, He will always go to great lengths to bring them back. God desires everyone to be saved. God desires everyone to be a part of this fold, this flock. The church of the living God. That's why He died on a cross. We are unique and irreplaceable to God. Have you ever felt like you were no one special? Have you ever felt replaceable? 
Now we've talked about, and this is still true, offices are replaceable. Positions are replaceable. We understand that. So the Lord Terry, uh, you know, best case scenario, I stay here till I die, and uh, someone else becomes pastor. That's replaceable. Your ministry is replaceable. Should you choose not to do it? Should you choose to go off in a different direction? God will choose someone else to do that. But you yourself are irreplaceable in the sight of God. You yourself cannot be replaced. You're unique. He created you uniquely. No one looks like you. In my case, I'm very thankful for that. And you probably are too. No one looks like you do. No one has the exact temperament, personality, experience that you do. You're unique. And God has invested in you time. He's invested in you relationship. He died for you. He created you individually with purpose. He doesn't mass produce us. That's the world's thinking. God died for individuals. God created individuals. He calls individuals into a relationship with Him. You are unique and you are valued in the sight of God. You're valued here, but what matters most is that you're valued in the sight of God. Otherwise, when the sheep wanders off, I'll buy another one. I'll get another one to replace them. No harm, no foul. Right? If we're replaceable, if God really doesn't care, as long as I got a quota here, I'm good. That's not how God operates. That's not how God thinks. When that sheep goes off, He doesn't just say, forget it. The wolves will get it. I'll get another one. He goes looking for it. He wants to find it, and He wants to find it safe. He wants to find it before the wolves get to it, before it eats something that will poison him. Before it gets its leg broke or twisted up in a, in a snake hole or something. You are valued in the sight of God. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget how much God loves you. Yes, He loves humanity. Yes, He loves all people. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you individually, specifically. Amen. So don't... This world creeps into our church in more ways than one, folks. The way that we think creeps in, is influenced by what's out there. The humanism that's out there. This idea that human resources... What an awful name. What a horrible name that is. I'm a resource. And like all resources, uh, they depreciate over time. <laughs> They're used up. You ever think about that? That's how, we're, that's how we're looked at in the world today. By corporate America, by government, as a resource. As, as a, a means of production. And when that means that production ceases, you are no longer of any value to us. 
And if we're not careful, we start thinking like that too. As Christians, people walk out the door for whatever reason, we'll just win more. They were a lot of trouble anyway. And maybe they were a lot of trouble. But God died for that person. God loves that person. How much trouble were you? I know how much trouble I was. I wasn't a walk in the park. I wasn't, I wasn't this big prize that God got. It took a lot of work to get me to where I am. And I got a long ways to go. No one here was any prize. None of us. We got the prize, folks. Amen. We got the blessing. Jesus died for you. He loves you. You are unique. You are valued as an individual. No matter what. No matter what. Whether you produce anything or not. Now we move on from there. We want to please the Lord. And if we're going to please the Lord, we do want to produce fruit. Amen? Fruit of the Spirit. Etc., etc. All of that. But the foundational understanding we need at the moment is that it doesn't matter what I do or don't do. God loves me. God created me. Just the way I am. God loves me just the way I am. Amen. doesn't matter what I do, say, think, be, feel, dress, act. None of that matters. He loves me. When I receive that love and I start walking forward in God, all of that other stuff will change. But when I first come to the Lord, none of that matters. He loves me before I even knew He existed. He loved me before I was even born. The shepherd has a history and he has a relationship with you. You're part of a community, his community. And every sheep is just as valuable as every other sheep. If I wander off, He's going to look for me just as hard as if you wander off. Amen. He loves us all the same. He has no favorites. I know He likes these. I'm God's favorite. I know that. But He has no favorites. Amen. <laughs> Jesus loved me even when I was lost. Before we ever loved Jesus, He loved us. And 1 John 4.19 says we love Him because He first loved us. Before we were even born, He made plans for a great relationship with us. Before we were confronted with truth, even while we were still lost, God loved us and He pursued us relentlessly. I can look back through my life through seeming random events, weird situations that, that popped up, and I can see now the hand of God in every one of them. It's so incredible what God did in my life. And you guys all have similar testimonies. What God did, how He maneuvered things and, and situated you in just the right spot at the right time. Amen. I was in the 82nd, but for whatever reason, me and a few other people got transferred to another uh, thing, area altogether. I hated it. Me and five other people, we had jumping experience. These guys were fresh out of jump school. Every one of them. 
And we were like, we were signing wills. We were, we were putting letters to our loved ones in our pockets. Because this is it. We're going to die up there. They're going to run into us and our suits are going to get tangled. It's going to be a mess. It was a mess, but not that bad. It was horrible. Anyway, anyway, um, the, uh, but I, God transferred me there. God moved me there because I was going to meet someone who would talk to someone else who I would overhear and I would get in church because of that. I would have, as far as I can tell, I'm sure he would have done something else, but but that's how I got in church because because of that transfer. It's so amazing. God is so awesome. He's so cool. Romans five eight. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. When God died for us, folks. Free will is still in effect here. I can still choose yes. I can still choose no. God died on a cross so that I had the choice. Think about that. Not because I would come, but so that I would have the choice to come. Many people choose no, but He died for them too. It's hard for us to imagine the depth of God's love for us. Ephesians 3.19 says, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. The love of Christ passes all knowledge. It is impossible for us to fully comprehend the depths, the heights, the intensity of God's love for us. Just know that that's the way it is. It is so big. It is so all-encompassing. We can't understand it. But we can receive it. And we can give it to others. Amen. The shepherd's search. When Jesus finds the lost sheep, He rejoices. That sheep could have been lost forever. It could have been killed by predators. All that other stuff. Eat poison. Bit by a snake. Anything could have happened to it out there. But the shepherd found it. Found it safe. So that he brings it back rejoicing. Rejoicing. Our reaction when a backslider returns ought to be that of rejoicing. And I think generally it is. But, as human beings, we can sometimes get a little skeptical of people, can't we? We can sometimes get to the place, well, you know, they keep repenting over and over and over again. They keep coming to the altar. God renews them. And then they go out and they do the same stupid stuff again. They'll be back Sunday to do the same thing. And after the 30th, 50th, 100th time, we start thinking, this is old. Can you just make a choice? I've thought that. I've thought that about people. Can't you just decide? I mean, you, you kind of live in two worlds here. Just jump into one. Make it easy on yourself. This has got to be. This has got to be tearing you up, dude. <laughs> this has got to be hard. 
And we can, we can, we've got to be careful not to move from, from skepticism to judgmental thinking. We cannot be judgmental about people. God is wooing them back to a place of repentance this Sunday in our example. And if they come back next Sunday and they did stupid stuff, God will woo them to a place of repentance again next Sunday. Amen. That's what God does. He keeps looking. He keeps searching for us. He keeps trying to bring us back. We must see every soul through the eyes of Jesus as much as possible. We have got to see as He sees, feel as He feels. He does not want a single soul to perish. How many times will God forgive someone, by the way? How many times are we required to forgive someone? Yeah, the statement was 70 times 7, but really what that means is you don't stop. You don't stop forgiving. God continues to forgive every time we seek Him in repentance. Now that's a good thing, folks. Because again, when I first started this walk, I didn't start where some of you guys started. I was I was a hot mess in a lot of areas. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. And it took a long time for the Lord to unpack some of that stuff and work through it. Some of that stuff was hard. But he did it. Amen. And I'm so thankful for it. But it took a lot of repentance in some of those areas. Years. Years of repentance. Before I was finally able to get to the place where God's delivered me from this. God's already given me the victory over this. And start walking in that. Amen. Again, growth, folks. Growth sometimes takes time. Let people grow. Be patient. God is. God is patient with us. He's been patient with me. Long-suffering. That's what the Bible says. If God doesn't give up on someone, then neither should I. Let them see Jesus in us. His love, His mercy, His compassion. Maybe it could be that when someone sees our authenticity, our trustworthiness, that we're not going to judge them, we're not going to condemn them, that we're just going to keep loving them, going to keep trying to help them. Maybe when they see that in us, I think people already do see that in us, but in congregations, I think things would have been way different with my experience if when I went to the altar, people would have been pointing and giggling and Yeah, I know what you do. I know what you did this week. You better be up there. I think my experience would have been a little bit different in that case. But that wasn't the case at all. People prayed with me, cried with me. Amen. 
It was beautiful. That's the experience people need, folks. When they come into this congregation, they need to feel Christ's love and compassion and mercy. Let God be the judge. Let God judge them. We're not required to do that. We're not responsible to judge people. Isn't that awesome? I don't want to judge people. I don't want to have to decide, you're going here, you're going there. Can you imagine that, that kind of responsibility? No, thank you. I'm going to let God do that. I'm going, to, I'm going to take care of what God's given me to do. I'm going to demonstrate Jesus to him. Amen. They're missed by God and they're missed by us. Amen. Because we love them the way Jesus loves them. Praise God. We walked into the large auditorium and found a seat in an area that was strangely vacant of occupants. Immediately, the reason became apparent. Something was fragrantly amok. We looked around to see where the stench came from. A few rows ahead sat a person with long matted dreadlocks. When the congregation was invited to stand, we observed his pants were baggy and dirty. The aroma immediately became more pungent. We had found the culprit. With great enthusiasm, he stood multiple times, clapping his hands to the upbeat music from the choir. He would throw a toothless grin in the direction of the people nearest him, however far away. He waved his arms back and forth as the congregation responded to the presence of God. He was oblivious to others or why he remained a single guest in the second section of pews. He was in his own little world responding to the Spirit of God. We did not know much about the visitor that permeated the pungent smell in the fifth row, second section. We only knew that he had found his way to a church that loved truth, holiness, and souls. As the pastor gave the invitation for those who wanted to know Christ to come forward, our fragrant friend found his way to the aisle and walked barefooted down to the front. The smell didn't matter anymore. Several men gathered around him and began praying for him. With hands lifted high, armpits aerating the area, this weary soul found Jesus. Speaking in tongues, he began jumping up and down. Waving his arms back and forth, the men praying for him never wavered. Their eyes may have been watering from the smell, but we chose to believe they were weeping with joy over this precious lost sheep that had been found. Amen. And that is the way it needs to be, folks. Someone comes into our, our congregation, sits down in our pews. We have no idea what their life experience is. We have no idea why they're even here. But Jesus loves them. Jesus died for them. And it's our responsibility as the people of God to demonstrate that. To demonstrate that. Amen. You ever teach a Bible study in a, in a house full of smokers? It's a great experience, isn't it? In some ways, it is a great experience. Uh, but, I mean, you walk into there and you're hit with that. That's, that's, that's tough to get through sometimes. But, uh, but get through it, we, we, we must. God will protect you. You're doing His business. Amen. He'll protect you from the lung cancer. Do God's business. Teach that Bible study. Love those people. Amen. Praise God. God is so merciful to us. He's so gracious to us. He loves us. He loves us as individuals. He suffered on a cross and died for us. 
so that we would have the opportunity to come to Him, into a covenant relationship with Him. Amen. And at whatever time we do stray, we do err, we do wander away, He comes looking for us because we are valued in the kingdom of God. He values us. Amen. And He loves us. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful for You. I'm so thankful for Your so great salvation. Thankful for Your love for me. Your love for us that is unconditional. That is given freely. That is not predicated on anything I can do, say, or think, or even be. But it is predicated on Your own character. Because You are love. You love us unconditionally. I pray, Lord, that You would keep us protected within the fold. That we would not wander for any reason. But if we ever do, come looking, come searching for us. Find us quickly. Bring us back to the safety of the flock. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your kind attention. We'll take a break. We'll be back here at a quarter till for 